You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with my co-host, James Rapine. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the protein bar that has James Rapine looking like he should be in a magazine when he's donating blood. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go check out his Twitter page. Check him out at BuiltBar.com. You've got a promo code locked on to save 20% on your next order of protein bars from BuiltBar.com. James, another big show today. Despite it being the offseason, we continue to find interesting things to talk about because we, of course, are excellent content creators. Today, the Bengals are reportedly set to interview Gary Brown, former Dallas Cowboys running backs coach for their running back coach position. We'll talk a little bit about his track record. He worked with Frank Pollock down in Dallas. Then, I've seen a lot of Bengals fans, James, talking about or or wringing their hands over the idea that they're not going to do anything to address the offensive line and free agency. Paul Daner Jr. from The Athletic wrote a fantastic piece about what his feel and his opinion is about the Bengals' approach to the offensive line and free agency this year. So let's tell the people where we stand about what we expect from the Bengals and free agency because this seems to be something that everyone's talking about, everyone's writing about, so we might as well weigh in as well. And then for those of you that follow me on Twitter, I I talked a little bit about positional spending, I think last week or or something like last week at this point. And we're going to talk about the Bengals positional spending as it relates to the rest of the league, looking ahead to 2021 in particular. And to set up for that episode, that's going to come your way tomorrow, barring any other breaking news. We're going to look at the four remaining teams in the playoffs, which I think most people would agree are the four best teams in football in 2020 and what they have in common and what they can tell us about team building for the Bengals going forward. So a lot of disparate topics to get to today, James. Let's start with Gary Brown. You've got it up on allbengals.com, a great synopsis. A former running back, he played for Houston when they were the Oilers. He played for the San Diego Chargers and the New York Giants. So if anything... As a player, he has a great history of playing for teams that move cities. He's been coaching running back since 2003. He even had a stop at offensive coordinator in his college coaching days. And there's a lot of success on this resume. Isn't that right, James? There is. I mean, from stop after stop after stop. uh, When this report came down from Tom Pelissero, I tried to get to know Gary Brown. And he's had success. He's produced 1,000-yard rushers everywhere he's gone. And it's not just Ezekiel Elliott, right? Because you think, oh, Cowboys running backs coach. It's got to be easy coaching Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, he he got a lot of success out of Zeke, uh, which dropped off this year, by the way, without Brown in town. I don't think it's necessarily just Brown there uh, for that reason. But even before that, Darren McFadden was a guy who, yeah, that's a blast from the past, right? He ran for 1,000 yards in his season with Dallas. Uh, And and before that, DeMarco Murray had a career year, that 1,800-yard year with the Cowboys back in 2014. That was with Brown as running backs coach. And and then even before Dallas, he was in Cleveland for a few seasons. And Peyton Hillis ran for 1,100 yards, was on the cover of Madden. That year, Brown was the running backs coach in Cleveland. So, 
nothing but success in, in place after place. And, and I think the thing that is most exciting about this, if they do hire him and he does agree to come to Cincinnati, would be his familiarity with Frank Pollock. The fact that they were both together in Dallas and working together. And, and I love that they would be on the same page, you'd assume, uh, be on the same page coming into Cincinnati and working with Joe Mixon and company. I bet Joe Mixon would absolutely love this, right? I mean, go back to Frank Pollock and Tony Brown's collaboration, their collaborative success in Dallas. Absolutely fantastic work in the running game there. Joe Mixon looking at those numbers for all those guys you just mentioned, McFadden, Murray, Zeke, and thinking, oh, yeah, let's get it, right? I mean, Joe Mixon, he was pumped for Frank Pollock, and now you're getting his running backs coach from some of his most successful years in Dallas where they worked together for five years, this makes a lot of sense. And in his initial interview, as you point out on allbengals.com, Frank Pollock did say, you know, he was going to talk about some of the guys that he would be interested in talking to for running backs coach. And now we have confirmation that they're interviewing one of them. And I assume this is coming from Pollock. I mean, run game coordinator, right? Who's going to have the, the most input besides the head coach, offensive coordinator on who they bring in? Well, it's the guy who's coordinating the run game and that is Frank Pollock so bringing in someone he's familiar with makes a whole lot of sense but I will say this James every coach that we've heard the Bengals were interviewing before they interviewed him has not been hired by the Cincinnati Bengals and instead they've hired guys that we didn't know they were even talking to and they've been pleasant surprises I think every time and that's the thing is I don't know if you could find a better fit here Right. You are you love to be able to get Mixon involved in the passing game like Zeke Elliott was in those prime years. You talk about 2016, 2017 Dallas. Well, Brown oversaw that his familiarity with Pollock. So if, if they don't land him, it feels almost like at least from a resume standpoint and who knows how successful, you know, these position coaches are going to be in 2021. But from a, a resume standpoint, it feels like it'll be a downgrade. I mean, how do you find a guy that's coached by my count, Hillis, McFadden, Murray, Elliott, that's at least four 1,000-yard runners and, and a couple of guys that were, you know, flashes in the pan that he got the most out of or, or injury-riddled in McFadden's case. So um, it's uh, it's only an interview right now. I would be excited about the resume. I think this could be uh, another home run hire. You said that, right, with Hobby, with Frank Pollock. I don't know about you, but I think Brown, if they could land him, would be uh, would be just great for uh, the potential of this offense moving forward. I would like this hire. I would be a lot less moved by this hire, though, than I was by the defensive and offensive line coaches, just because of the impact of the position. I think there are a lot of really good running back coaches out there. But the the thing that makes it seem like a great fit to me is just the familiarity and and knowledge of Frank Pollock. Like those two guys working together again, there's not going to be any acclimation period. They're going to be like, okay, we're going to use this terminology. Or, hey, you remember what we called this in Dallas? We're going to call it this now. And and they're just going to get it going, right? They're, they're going to be on the same page from day one. The experience, another factor we're seeing consistently with the coaches they're talking to, they're bringing in some of the more experienced. And honestly, some of, some of the more prestigious the the more renowned coaches that are available like I'm not the kind of person who is keeping track of what coaches are are going to be free agents and and what their achievements are I, I start to look into them once the Bengals are connected to them or once the Bengals have hired them 
And where everyone that listens to this podcast heard my skepticism with some of the hires on Zach Taylor's initial staff, they're instead getting from me this time around, James, uh, a stamp of approval for pretty much all of the guys they've talked to and hired so far. Coming up next, we talk about another way the Bengals could get another Locked On Bengals stamp of approval, and that's if they do what Paul Daner suggests they will do to fix the offensive line in free agency. It's tax season, and TurboTax knows you're one of a kind, and so are your taxes. TurboTax has experienced tax experts who are ready to listen to you, learn about your unique tax situation, and help you get the best tax outcome possible. Maybe you're moonlighting as a rideshare driver and have questions about what qualifies as a deduction. Or maybe you have your own podcast, have some freelance income out there, and you want an expert to walk you through the process. Maybe you'd like to hand the whole tax filing process over to an expert while you perfect your banana bread recipe. No matter what your approach is to filing your taxes this tax season, TurboTax either has the expert to help you get through it or the expert to file your taxes for you. TurboTax live tax experts are here to help, giving you the confidence to know that you're one of a kind, uniquely you taxes are done right. Check them out. TurboTax, you've heard the name everywhere. Intuit TurboTax Live. This episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring that launched exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launched on January 18th, and you can check it out exclusively at BlueNile.com. James, let's talk free agency. Let's talk offensive line. A lot of Bengals fans out there, at least in the, the things that I see on Twitter, and I don't see everything, seem to be a little nervous that the Bengals might just sit on their hands and, and just roll it back, run it back with the same guys on the offensive line. And they cite, you know, Jeff Hobson's report that we talked about a couple weeks ago when he said they've got all these veterans they brought in. They, they brought in Frank Pollock to do the development that they didn't feel like they got from Jim Turner. There's going to be a different approach. And another section of fans that seems to be talking about something that Dave Lapham said, and I haven't heard what Lap said exactly, but they're citing Lapham as another source that says they're not going to go make any splashes in free agency and they're not going to go get somebody like Trent Williams, which maybe not. Maybe Trent Williams was never in their ballpark. Maybe he's the kind of guy that's going to go to a top six team and, and try to chase a ring and get that money at the same time. But what exactly did Lapham say that's stoking these fears? Because it's really picked up in the last couple of days. He defended the guard play and specifically Quentin Spain, Xavier Suofilo, and basically said, hey, look, I, you know, I, they may stick with these guards, these guys that are serviceable. And if they're really looking for help, it might be on the edge. And when you look at who's coming back, you do have the from the developmental side, Michael Jordan coming back. Xavier Suofilo is under contract. Obviously, Quentin Spain's a guy that I think people would be open to bringing back. Uh, you you do see the bodies in there, and you do see potential uh, for for some some growth at that spot. I also get why fans would be like, "Hey, come on, that you, you cannot run it back with those guys in the interior because the the guard play was was awful." 
But what Lat did say is, hey, if they're going to spend in free agency, and, and this really isn't much of a, a revelation considering the Bengals historically, but if, if they're going to spend in free agency on an offensive lineman, it's going to be at tackle. It's going to be on the edge. And I, I think he did specifically say edge. And and so that shouldn't shock anyone. This is the same team that let Kevin Zeitler walk, it, right? This is it, They drafted him. They developed him. He was really, really good. And they let him walk at guard. They've never valued guard to that level. And so recently I've kind of tried to push back on the, oh, go get Joe Tooney. Well, I agree. Go get Joe Tooney. I'm just, I find it unlikely that the Bengals think that way. But Trent Williams, I think they're open to it. I don't know if they're going to be willing to pay him $20 million per or whatever it's going to take to get him because I think he's looking for the biggest bag of them all. And that's uh, that's always dangerous territory. But but that's what Lapp said is that they if they were looking and when they do look at free agency, he guesses that they'll look for edge help. And uh, he said edge, but he's talking about the tackle position. And I feel like Willie Anderson has said some similar things. History does not lie. The Bengals do not pay guards. And we talked about this last week. The only guard that I can really remember them giving big money to in recent history is, is Clint Bowling. And I don't even know if that qualifies as big money. You go back a little bit further, you know, they, they pay Bobby Williams. They've been willing to draft guards in the first round. Then the second round, Eric Steinbach, Kevin Zeitler as some examples there. If you go back to, you know, the Carson Palmer Marvin Lewis era. And I I could totally see that argument. Maybe Joe Tooney, Brandon Scherf, those top end guards aren't in the cards. And maybe if they do look to spend at guard, it's a guy like Matt Filer or Matt Feeler. I'm not actually sure how his name goes, but Pittsburgh Steelers guard, he would probably be a more modest option. 28 years old, played really well in 2019, had a bit of a step back in 2020, but is probably better than their options on the roster. But if you look at Xavier Suofilo, he's he's under contract. He's relatively affordable. I think it's fair to expect that Xavier Suofilo will be on the roster next year. Quentin Spain is a guy that a lot of fans like. He's, he's very popular in the locker room. I think that he could stand to play a little bit better. He's not playing as well as he's played previously in his career. At least he didn't in Cincinnati. That doesn't mean he can't. And you could do a lot worse as a backup. So, if, if it's a modest deal, again, and this is what the Bengals like at guard, you could be very happy to bring Quentin Spain back. I wouldn't be thrilled if those are your opening day starters, but if you've really gone and solidified right tackle, then you feel a lot better about it, right? Or maybe you draft a Rayshon Slater. Maybe you trade back and you take Slater at 12, like we talked about in Mock Draft Monday yesterday. And maybe you mm-hmm. don't feel comfortable with the 6'3", a little bit undersized Slater, at right tackle, because I think the Bengals have a history of liking generally before Bobby Hart, pretty big right tackles. You got Willie Anderson, Andre Smith as, as the recent right tackles out there. So, you know, maybe they see Slater more as a guard. I watched his Ohio state tape this morning because uh, one of our listeners, Greg was in my mention saying, can we stop overhyping the tape? And I thought it was pretty good tape, Greg. And I told you that on Twitter. I, I, I answered your tweet. And uh, the thing that I really like about Slater is I, I think he's, Got great burst and quickness, good good short area quickness. I'm not sure about the change of direction yet. That did look a little bit awkward at times against Ohio State, but really like his hand usage as well. So there are some things that if he plays guard, he would be an incredibly athletic and I think technically pretty sound guard. And you take away the lateral movement aspect of his game that may or may not be a weakness 
uh, and put him in a phone booth in the guard position. He's a smart player. Could be a really good fit. So that that's a potential scenario, right? Where you go get a guy and the name that stands out has really uh, been trending on, on Twitter and Paul Daner Jr. talks about it is Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams, former Carolina tackle, not Taylor Moten currently playing for Buffalo on a very cheap deal, has made himself a lot of money this year, has played very good football for them, and is certainly, I think, going to be cheaper than guys like Taylor Moten and and Trent Williams. So that's a name you could watch. And then you could, again, look at the down market guards. The down market tackles, though, I, I mean, I would rather just keep Bobby Hart on his current contract, to be honest. I mean, you're talking... Kelvin Beecham or, you know, older guys, 32, 33 year old guys who may or may not have anything left in the tank. And I think Lapham even dismissed one of them offhand and Alejandro Villanueva and, and the other one in Russell Okung has been dealing with injuries for the last two years. So don't feel super uh, secure with either of those options. Sure. And, and, and I, I think we saw firsthand with Villanueva that he can get beat up because Carl Lawson owned him on Monday night. I mean, that's Carl Lawson was a big reason why Ben was uncomfortable and the Bengals were able to do what they did against the Steelers in week 15. And it was because Villa Villanueva couldn't stop him. Um, yeah, I, 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 a would be interesting. I, I think they need to make a move. They need to find a way to get someone. Williams, certainly a guy. I agree with you. I think he's a guy that could come in and be an instant upgrade, but this this idea that the Bengals don't know there's an issue, from what I've heard, they know there's an issue. And now you may have a problem with their philosophy and how to fix it. But last year, they didn't think there was an issue. And that was the problem is Jim Turner, I think, had convinced Zach Taylor that, hey, we're going to make this work. Heck, I remember Brian Callahan uh, after the fifth round, sixth round of the draft, probably sixth round because coordinators talked after every round, depending on if it was an offensive or defensive pick. And they picked Adenogy, and we were like, hey, uh, are, are you surprised that they waited this long, that you guys waited this long to take an offensive lineman? He's like, ah, we can scheme around it and stuff, you know. And and I think that that's the problem now is it, it can't be such a weakness. It might not be the strength of the team next year, but the Bengals have to find a way to make the offensive line competent enough to where they don't have to scheme around it, right, where they don't have to win in spite of losing in the trenches, and that's that's what they've had to do. And that's that's a tough spot for Zach Taylor, who we've evaluated, who I've been a critical of. It's a tough spot for the entire coaching staff. So I think that's their job. However they do that, whether it's free agency, the draft, they have to find a way to do it. You and I, I think, both agree that adding in free agency, adding some kind of proven offensive lineman, at least one, hopefully multiple, but at least one is is probably the way to go. Yeah, I mean, say Daryl Williams is a $12 million a year kind of contract. Sign me up. It could be maybe 14 million, could be 12 million. Either way, if if that's the case, you free up six million dollars from from moving off for Bobby Hart. Maybe you try to bring Hart back as a backup tackle. I would be totally okay with that if he was making two, three million dollars a year. I think he could probably get more than that with his most recent year on the open market. But if you replace seven million dollars with $1 million in dead money and, and 12 or $14 million for Daryl Williams to play right tackle, you feel a little bit better about right tackle going into the season, right? Even if it's Russell Okun, who may or may not be able to stay healthy, at least there's upside there, right? But exactly your point of the offensive line has to be good enough that they can run whatever they want. They don't have to scheme around it. 
and we'll be able to talk a little bit more about how the money looks on the offensive line in our positional spending episode coming tomorrow. Coming up next today, we're going to take a look at the four remaining teams in the playoffs and what their team building philosophies and positional spending might tell us about a team building template for the Bengals going forward. Speaking of the four teams remaining, it's Championship Sunday. This weekend, here we go. Who's going to be playing in Super Bowl 55? Look, you guys know who you want to pick, whether it's Tampa Bay, Buffalo, Kansas City, Green Bay. You might as well make some money on your picks, and you can do so with the one place that has you covered, the one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. So whether you like Tampa Tom to do work against Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes to make it back-to-back Super Bowl appearances, get off the sidelines, get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. James, tomorrow we're going to take a look at the Bengals' positional spending for the 2021 season to help inform where they might spend some money this offseason, where they are saving money relative to the rest of the league, where they're overspending. But before we get there, there are four teams left in the playoffs. I think everyone agrees they're the four best teams in the NFL this year. That doesn't happen every year. You almost had Patrick Mahomes' concussion lead to the Browns getting in, and I don't think there's anybody, despite the fact that the Chiefs would have lost to the Browns, that would believe that the Browns were a better team if that were the case. So we have the four best teams, I think, in the championship games. turns out they're more or less the four best offenses in the NFL as well, with one exception that by some measures the Houston Texans offense was a little bit better than two of the offenses remaining. Uh, but the the interesting thing to me is that out of the final eight teams, the best offenses won. And it wasn't particularly close. We're talking Green Bay, the best offense in the league by by Justice Mosqueda's measure. Tampa, the the fifth best offense in the league, I think. Kansas City, second best offense in the league. And Buffalo, the, the fourth best offense in, in the league. So, If you go by DVOA, the remaining teams, one, two, three, and four. So a couple measures there that say, hey, you know what's winning championships this year? Well, it's not defense. The old saying is false. That's what it means, Jake. Let's be real here. It's 2021, people. Offense, offense, offense. There's a reason smart people like Jake and dumb people like me are both saying the Bengals need to go after offense because the Bengals finally have a guy who can put him over the top under center, right? And for years, that was the beef. My original run with Locked on Bengals, every freaking week, people got tired of me saying it, but it was just the reality of life with Andy Dalton, is your ceiling is capped at a certain level. Well, now, even if you have one of these high-end quarterbacks, and we all think the Bengals do in Joe Burrow, that's not enough. It's not enough if you're Tom Brady and you have Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski and Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette. No, no, no. You want Antonio Brown as well. And you want Tyler Johnson in the sixth round who's going to be sneaky good for a long time, I think. Did you see his catch the other day? Uh, It's not enough for the, the Bills to go out and just get Cole Beasley last year and John Brown, both of which worked out. Oh, no, they they tried to trade for Antonio Brown, and thank goodness for them that didn't work out. And then they deal their first rounder for Stephon Diggs. It's a weapons league. And it's an offensive league. And so 
of course, the Bengals have to address the offensive line. But once they do that, their next step needs to be, all right, how do we get more weapons for number nine? How do we get him a, another dynamic downfield threat? How do we get him a second one? And maybe a, a guy who can develop under wide receivers coach Troy Walters. So if T. Higgins gets dinged up with a hamstring and Tyler Boyd leaves with a concussion, the game doesn't end. Because the the really quality teams, they have so many guys that they can throw at you, right? And, and that's that's really the difference. That's why the Browns didn't have a real shot at the Super Bowl. That's why the Seahawks, right? They, they, they're the, there's a lot of these teams. Not, it's not just those two teams, but they're flawed offensively. They they can only win a certain way offensively. I think in this NFL, you got to be able to win anyway. You know, from running the ball to throwing the ball downfield to dinking and dunking and, and winning in a variety of ways offensively. And, and that's what these four teams. That's what you see they can do. Yeah, it's interesting that there, some of this is a running games, right? Like Green Bay's running game, despite having the best quarterback in the league this year in Aaron Rodgers, who had a real renaissance of a season, they're winning right now, large part due to a very efficient running game. So it's just about finding ways to be efficient. You see with Kyle Shanahan's offense in San Francisco when they're good, and you're seeing that in the teams that are remaining in the playoffs too. If you need to throw the ball, because you have Leonard Fournette as your running back and, and Leonard Fournette's efficiency is going to be limited over enough snaps. Well, then you have Tom Brady, you throw the ball. The other thing, James, that all those teams did is they invested in the offensive line. Mm-hmm. One way or another, all of these teams invested in their offensive line. Tampa goes out and spends a pick on Tristan Wirfs. A couple of years ago, they get Ryan Jensen in free agency. Before that, they send they spend second round picks on Ali Marpet and Donovan Smith. Just a lot of money, a lot of capital spent on the offensive line. The New Orleans Saints, who were just eliminated, have spent a ton of early picks on the offensive line. That's how they developed their Green Bay. Uh, maybe a little bit less so, but they've certainly hit on picks and they've paid their guys to keep them. Buffalo, we talked about their shotgun approach to the offensive line. And Kansas City has, over the years, drafted offensive linemen with high picks or otherwise found ways to get them in in free agency. So it's not just the weapons, although that is clearly important. You look at the way these teams build. Except for Green Bay, they've all got elite weapons. And in Green Bay, you've just got a quarterback and a wide receiver that makes it not matter what what you do to the rest of the guys on the field, I guess. So... <laughs> Some some things there that can inform the Bengals' approach, right? First, you got to get competent on the offensive line. No matter what you do, if it's a if it's a throw a bunch of darts at a board and see which ones hit the twenties and the bullseyes, or the triples and the bullseyes, I guess would be the better analogy. Then you you keep those guys and you throw away the darts and miss the board. Or if it's you know the the Tampa or the New Orleans approach, you go find one guy in free agency and you keep spending those first, second, third round picks until you get the guys to solidify your line going forward. When you have the quarterback and you have the weapons and the Bengals are almost there in those, in those regards, right? Like they could use probably one more receiver and you see these teams taking receivers all the time too, right? Mm -hmm. And diversifying their receivers. Then that's where you get there on offense. And when you have the quarterback, it makes all the rest of this, the, the path is just so much easier. Now, you do have to have a baseline of defense as well. If you look at most of these teams, there's at least a baseline of competency and, and, and efficiency, or in some cases, even top third defenses, depending on which uh, which stats you prefer to use. 
So you can't be what the Bengals were this year, which was 25th in the NFL, unless you're the Chiefs on offense, I guess. But it's not a huge leap that's required. You get up to like 20th, you know, 18th. And if your offense is in the top five, then you can go win games. And there's a path to that, right? I think there's a path for the Bengals defense. You know, they're going to have to add, they're going to add defensive pieces in the draft. Probably. I still think they'll, uh, you know, spend multiple, they have eight picks. Maybe half of those are, are picks on defense, but most of their spending needs to be trenches, weapons for Burrow. And, and that's what this shows, but you're right. There's, there's got to be a baseline for defense. But if they keep William Jackson III and Carl Lawson, you have playmakers now at corner, I, I would say. You know, a, a high-end cover corner. You wouldn't call him a playmaker. It's not like he averages eight interceptions a year. Jesse Bates on the back end. You have a guy in Carl Lawson, a young linebacking core that hopefully improves a little bit. Like you could see the path to them taking a, a step up if DJ Reader can stay healthy and Waynes comes back. And, and so – I think that's sort of all I would do on defense is just kind of retain these dudes and, you know, draft a couple guys and then everything else should go to offense. It just, it should because you have the quarterback and you're not going to make the, I don't think they're going to be 13 and three, no matter what they do next year. But if they average 32 a game next year, because Burrow's staying upright and he has enough weapons, even if he loses a receiver or two where they can still win games then you could see them winning 10 games and making the playoffs and potentially being a threat. You, you could absolutely see that. But the, the way to do that is to really you know invest in their offense, especially, Jake, think about this. Last year, they invested so much money in the defense and so many resources on the defensive side. And that's a great segue to tomorrow's show, James. So everyone listening right now, you're interested in how can they apply these lessons from these playoff teams? How much money do they have to spend? What are they spending in each position? It will really tell you where they will likely invest resources in the future because you can look at their history. You can compare them to the teams that are winning in the NFL and you can get some hints from the money. Well, what's that they always say, James? Follow the money and you will find the answers. Well, We'll try to do a little bit of that on tomorrow's episode. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort, Visit allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.